AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Grains actually had a good day with most contracts closing near the highs of the session, but with prices making new for the move lows, there's some growing speculation that maybe importers are taking a look at supplies out of the U.S. The cattle complex closed with sharp gains, and lean hogs were mixed. Live from the warm before the storm via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll chat with Craig Van Dyke from Co-Alliance Cooperative. Directly following the news, Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures. I'm a handsome newsman, Davis Michelson, and now welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis. Yeah, by my handy-dandy little weather app on my phone here, yeah. um, it says that it will be snowing, and snowing significantly by the time we wrap up the show. Significantly, they're saying yeah. now. Yes. Hmm. I don't know, uh, maybe three, four, five inches. <laughs> but get this, I'm yeah. at uh, I'm at 37 degrees and cloudy here in Kansas City. Right. And and yet I'm under a wind chill advisory. Oh, these conditions man. are expected by 12 a.m. Central Standard Time Friday, January 19. Uh, I'm not quite sure what to make of this chip. It's a little disconcerting. Yeah. Well, it's going to get cold again. There's there. <laughs> I don't think there's any question about that. We're 12 degrees. Yeah, We're, I walked outside over the lunch hour mm-hmm. and just kind of stood there for a little bit and took it all in. Yes. Yeah, yes. 12 degrees mm-hmm. felt good. I realized that when I opened the door after my after my lunch today to go outside yeah. to do something similar, I wasn't yeah. bracing myself against the blast against the cold. <laughs> you know? I lost that quick. Was. Smacked <laughs> you in the face, did it? <laughs> no, not today. It was not a warm today. caress on my cheek. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Like a John Very Denver good. song outside. <laughs> we are going to have a conversation today with Craig Van Dyke. He's with Co-Alliance Cooperative uh, over in Indiana. Uh, when we get a quarterly grain stocks report, you'll notice that we've we've spent some time with, with some grain analysts that kind of specialize in local or regional markets leading heading into the grain stocks report for example had clark neighbors on the guy mm-hmm. tracks regional movement of grain but as as well as anybody i know so yep. we had craig uh we we had clark on to kind of set it up well let's talk with craig now and see what what uh has changed when it comes to to regional movement in grains uh following that quarterly grain stocks report i'm looking forward to the conversation with him. All right, yeah, man, let's go mm-hmm. ahead and get started. Well, Chip, Wheat Futures built an upside recovery after trading mixed at mid-morning. Disruption in global grain flows thanks to conflicts in the Red Sea and the Black Sea and the drought in Panama are all <laughs> raising the potential that some importers may look to the U.S. Uh, wheat supplies to cover a portion of upcoming needs more easily. March soft red winter wheat futures opened higher that spiked through support at 580 before recovering to close near the high of the day. March HRW wheat futures were 11 and one quarter cents higher, 605 and a quarter. March SRW wheat up 30, uh, three cents, excuse me, 585 and a half. March spring wheat closed at 688. 
That's up seven and three quarter cents. It's just easier to get wheat out of the United yeah. States, Chip. Yeah, I, and I think that the ease of access that you mentioned there, mm-hmm. that ease of access might be getting us a little bit of business before too long. Well, that and the fact that we're trading here at new lows. Sure. Uh, the the price does tend to influence total demand out there, and and we should be competitive in most areas. Well, Chip, ethanol production in the weekend of January 12 averaged 1.054 million barrels per day. That's down 8,000 from the previous week, but it's 46,000 barrels per day ahead of the same week last year. Wow. Ethanol stocks ballooned 1.324 million barrels to a hefty 25.695 million. South American crop watchers continue to ratchet down expectations for the Brazilian corn crop, but some are now expecting a record corn crop in Argentina. March corn futures fell to a new contract low and spiked support at 440 before recovering to close above the opening range and near the high of the day. March corn futures one and three quarter cents higher, 444. May corn up one and one quarter, 455. July corn futures closed at 463 and a half, up a penny on the day. Second day in a row, I see that 440 in the March corn chip. Yeah, yeah, that's not where we want to be trading. On those ethanol stocks, there was mm-hmm. a time that we would say if you were building up stocks that much, it was mm-hmm. in anticipation that we were going to be seeing some exports. Maybe that's the case again. Uh, but, boy, that's a hefty stocks total right now. Yeah. Well, bean and soybean meal prices recovered from early session price pressure to finish on the plus side of unchanged. Soybean oil prices, however, gave up mid-morning gains to end slightly lower as spreaders got back on the long meal short bean oil trade. Early stress on Brazilian soybeans continues to limit downside price risk on beans, but the outlook for a good bean crop in Argentina is taking some of the risk out of Brazil's drought. March yeah. beans opened steady and slipped to within a penny of 12 bucks before prices recovered to close near session highs. March beans up seven and three quarter cents today to close at twelve thirteen and a half. May beans up six cents, twelve twenty four and a quarter. July beans closed at twelve thirty three up four and three quarter cents. Go Argentina, go Chip. Yeah, big crop coming there. You got to look at the total supply out of South America, not just what's happening in Brazil. March cotton was eighty one points higher today, eighty two fifty one. On your livestock, February live cattle up a buck seventy two and a half to one seventy four eighty two and a half. April futures up. 202 and a half to 177.65. March feeder futures up $2.77 and one half to 232.55. And on the snout side, February lean hog futures down 35 cents, 71.10. The April contract, however, up 47 and one half, 78.45. Chip. All right, Davis, thank you very much. Let's bring in Oliver Slope, Blue Line Futures. Hey, Oliver, how's it going? It, uh, you know what? It feels darn good to see some yeah. green on the screen today. So I got to say, I'm doing halfway decent. Better than uh, yesterday. We'll put yeah, it that those way. Clo- the close is above the opening range. The close is near the high of the day. It, in the grains in particular, it feels like we're trying to build a little bit of momentum for an upside recovery. Yeah, tr- trying to. And I tell you yeah. what, corn up, you know, one or two cents feels like it's up a dime after <laughs> the last week or so. But. I think it was encouraging, you know, today was, you know, the third or fourth day following last Friday's report. And a lot of times uh, that day three and day four, you get margin departments stepping in, forcing people out, which I think we saw on the open, potentially some forced liquidation and people throwing in the towel. And the fact that we were able to see some capitulation and some buyers step in following that, I think is encouraging, but uh, the bulls still certainly have their work cut out for them as far as the technicals go. All right. April cattle, the highest level since December 12. It kind of 
that low range open, high range close that kind of looks like it's trying to make an extended move to the upside. It, it really does. And uh, I think we were talking last week. I was kind of in the camp that we would see more of a range bound trade between 170, 175. Didn't really think that cash was going to rip to the upside, but we yeah. got a nice breakout move on the on the chart today, which certainly opens the door for an extension. We do got a, a report coming around the corner, though. So that's going to be, yeah. you know, potentially something to keep an eye on. And potentially that was a factor in today's move to the upside. But ni- nice to see this, this rally in, in cattle over the last month or so. Yeah, report tomorrow, cattle on feed report. But at the end of the month, we get that cattle inventory. And boy, that's going to be an important one. Exactly, exactly. So I I wouldn't be surprised to see the volatility continue. I'm still a little bit cautious for guys that, you know, need to protect the downside. Uh, You know, we're taking advantage of this rally just uh, just to, you know, dot our I's and cross our T's. Gotcha, gotcha. Good stuff, Oliver. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Chip. You bet, Oliver Slope, Blue Line Futures. Okay. We got the quarterly grain stocks uh, report out of the way. Uh, What did it tell us? What kind of an impact is it having on the cash trade out there? We'll talk with Craig Van Dyke from Co-Alliance Cooperative next here on Agritech. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on Agritech. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us on this Thursday afternoon, making our way right into the end of the week. I'm on Snow Watch. No, no, no I don't see. I don't see any flakes coming down quite yet. Uh, the radar says it's snowing here, uh-huh. but uh-huh. Uh, but but the view out my bunker window, yeah, is is saying no. no. Sounds to me like the only thing flaky about it is your radar. Yeah, it might be it right I don't there. Know. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Let's get Craig Van Dyke in here. Uh, Craig is with Co Alliance Cooperative over in Valparaiso, Indiana. He joins us right now. Hey, Craig, how's it going, man? Chip, doing well. How are you doing? Doing real fine. How's the weather treating you? Uh, <laughs> probably like most everybody else. Uh, you know, it's it's sad when you walk out today and it's about. 20 degrees here and it's like man this feels good you know yeah. it's his t-shirt weather almost but uh we're gonna be in the same boat as you pretty soon and being right off uh, the lake we, we've got lake effect coming yeah. our way with plenty of wind so you know we had one day of relief and now it's back to uh back to uh being cold and a pain in the butt to do anything yeah yeah is it is it slowing down movement at all or any impact on, on grain movement it, at all? It's it's definitely slowing up movement, um, you know, across, you know, all logistics, right? Truck, um, rail. Uh, I mean, uh, it just took us about four days to load a train, uh, corn train, just because everything was frozen. Um, and it took a lot of, you know, backwoods ingenuity um, to get things unstuck and moved. And, and you know, when it's negative 15 out, um, with wind chills, it's, you know, nothing works right. So, uh, the flow is, is definitely been slowed up here and that probably playing a little bit of a role here as to what we're seeing in the cash market a little bit. If you're looking to dig into that. You bet. Absolutely. That's um, exactly where we want to go. It, uh, you know, when we got that quarterly grain stocks report out last Friday, take a look at the on farm versus off farm storage and, 
there's some stories to tell there, isn't there? There absolutely is. And, you know, I think I want to emphasize that the, the situation is maybe slightly different in the East versus the West. And I'll call yeah. the Mississippi, the, the dividing line. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and what I'm starting to see is, is, you know, farmer movement, obviously lacking because of weather um, at the moment, which has maybe given us a slight push in basis um, in corn for some areas, but, but overall on the corn side, you know, basis in the East continues to remain very heavy. Um, you know, we, the timing between the East and the West as to when we finished up harvest and when stuff got moving, um, you know, I, we didn't have guys even finishing harvesting because of how big the crop is, um, the lack of space, how wet the corn was, uh, just a monster crop in the East, which is yeah. continuing to keep some pressure. Uh, on Eastern basis. And I, I expect that to continue really moving forward. Um, the West, you know, uh, we are seeing a little bit better values here. We are seeing some jumps in the West on rail. Um, and I think, you know, some of that is due to weather. Yes. Um, but also, you know, the West wrapped up harvest quite a bit earlier. Um, you know, now movement from the farmer is, is probably slowed up a little bit more. Um, so we're seeing basis do a little bit of that work because futures obviously aren't. Um, whereas in the East, it's, it's just a problem all the way around where there's enough grain everywhere. The farmer still is moving grain yeah. and there's really no incentive for basis to get overly exciting. Okay. Um, but the bean side. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, well, uh, hey, before before you go to beans, I'll bring you back to beans here in a, a second, Craig. The the the, uh, the end user interest in booking some needs at at these prices that we've got in futures, I, I would think that it would be on the rise. But are they still waiting? Kind of got their hands in their pockets. What's going on? Well. That's a good point. And you would, you would think that'd be the case, right? Try to buy it as cheap as I can up front here. Right. But they haven't needed to because of how big the crop is in the East and, and how much space was taken up uh, coming into harvest, how much has, has moved so much later than normal. Um, you know, the, the end users needs right now to me in the East look pretty comfortable between now and March um, we're okay. starting to see, I'm starting to feel and see some more interest into, you know, April, May timeframe, um, vomitoxin is definitely an issue in the East. Um, so overall it, it's commercial ownership hasn't, uh, or end user ownership hasn't, they haven't had a need to get carried okay. away on bidding up. Okay. So, but that. Can we roll it into the beans then? Yep, that's a great yep, absolutely. Okay. I was, yep. That's where I'm starting to see that the change is in beans here. I think okay. we're making the turn on that. You know, the, the end user here is, um, has been relying on the farmer as they normally do. They like to play it hand to mouth and I don't know why they want to not plan forward. Right. And, and, book needs further out, but then all of a sudden they go hand them out. The farmer shuts off and now all of a sudden, boom, they are bidding up. Right. Okay. And I think we're starting to see that turn here. The farmer has, has shut off. We moved a lot of beans early in the East. Yeah. You know, the 
export program is shutting off for beans right now. You look at, uh, you know, on paper values from South America to here and those numbers start to work, right? So importing beans from Brazil begin to work, but there's a lot of gray area in logistics between now and then, right? (laughs) You know, uh, ship, you know, only moves so fast and, and, uh, the timing of that to me encourages basis, especially after this move in futures, uh, is, is going to encourage basis to get a little bit stronger unless futures want to start doing some work. So, you know, I see the action in futures today. I mean, to me kind of paints my overall picture for the markets. Uh, you know, you saw beans with some slight strength, you saw corn, it's still a dog, right? Yeah. We're, we're searching for reasons to be excited about corn. And <laughs> I hate to be, you know, um, more cold weather, but corn is still a dog in my opinion. Um, but I think we're starting to see a little bit of a turn here on the bean side that could be a little bit of a shining light. Okay. Okay. Um, some of that has got to do with the Brazilian situation, right? Yes. Right. Uh, you know, there's been uh, the hot topic, right. As well. What's Brazil's production, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because we're, we're, you know, um, trying to, trying to find something that we can be excited about, bullish about. I get it. It's hard to be excited in this environment with where where prices are. So we're searching. And, you know, I think you and Craig Turner maybe talked about it a little bit yesterday as far as what Argentina looks like they'll be doing to offset any reductions in Brazilian uh, production losses, right? And when I look here at FOB values out of Brazil, I sit here and say, the cash market hasn't really been suggesting that the market is overly concerned with a lack of soybean supply out of Brazil. Now, I think it's fair to say that their crop is not going to be as big as we expected. Mm -hmm. Um, But the cash market is, is giving the signs that say, maybe don't get so wrapped up in, in the outlier estimates of how small or big the, the South American soybean crop is going to be right. We, we run into the same issues here in the U S right. I mean, we saw it this summer, right. I mean, the, the, um, estimates of where we would be were just all over the place. And, and you could maybe make the argument they've had partially right dry conditions like we saw, and we still turned out a pretty decent <laughs> crop. Um, <laughs> the, the only flip side would be that it was not as hot uh, in the U.S. Um, that, that, that it has been in Brazil. So, yes, you see a reduction down there for sure, but Right now, the overall supply and demand picture, you know, weaker crush margins, um, weaker Chinese data, weaker weaker Chinese crush margins, smaller Chinese hog herd, declining Chinese populations. A lot of bad news out there. GDP Um, that's just kind of meh. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, you know, when do markets find their low? Well, when everything is its most bearish, right? Yep. And so maybe we're seeing a little bit of that here um, in the near term. Um, And that's, you know, I think something we'll have to watch. Um, You know, what is the futures price action trying to hint to us? What is basis going to be doing? You know, and how do we manage um, each, each of those pieces here as we're moving into spring? 
Okay, fantastic. Good stuff here, Craig. Uh, when we come back, we're talking with, with uh, Craig Van Dyke, Co-Alliance Co-op over in Valparaiso, Indiana. Uh, when we come back, what do we do about it? What, what does all of this mean for producers' uh, uh, marketing strategies in the year ahead? We'll talk about that next with Craig here on AgriTalk. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes, where March hard red winter wheat futures were 11 and one quarter cents higher, 605 and a quarter at the close. March SRW wheat up three cents to 585 and one half. March corn futures were one and three quarter cents higher, 444. May corn up one and one quarter to 455. March soybeans up seven and three quarter cents today to close at 1213 and one half. May soybean futures up six cents, twelve twenty-four and a quarter. March cotton was eighty-one points higher, eighty-two fifty-one. On your livestocks, February fat cattle up one seventy-two and a half to one seventy-four eighty-two and a half. March feeder futures up two dollars seventy-seven and one half to two thirty-two fifty-five. February lean hogs down thirty-five cents to seventy-one ten. But look out, the April contract was up forty-seven and a half to seventy-eight forty-five. Try profarmer.com, gang. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We don't make the news, we render it. AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Uh, we are in the middle of a conversation with Craig Van Dyke, Co-Alliance Co-op over in Valparaiso, Indiana. Um, Craig, let's get to what all this means. And because of what's going on with bean bases, start with beans, if you would. Fair enough. Um, it, it, and I, I'd say a lot of what I, I think how a guy should approach it at this point probably applies to both markets. Okay. Um, you, first step here, right? We've seen this monster drop in in price here, right? The mm-hmm. past month, both corn and beans, right? We've just seen the nonstop pressure. First step here is do not be a deer in the headlights. Okay. Do not be, it's easy, right? Deer in the headlights gets run over. Okay. It's easy to sit on your hands, not do anything until, you know, well, it's in the bin, whatever. Right. Um, I'm not worried about it now. I don't need the money right now. Yada, yada. That is not the way you want to be marketing grain. Um, and especially in a challenging environment now, um, so to me, it's cold out, should be mm-hmm. plenty of reason to be indoors, sit down and do the math, sit down and do the math. I, I you know, I was broker for many years. Um, you know, I'm an originator and merchandiser now. I mean, I have eight Excel spreadsheets up every day doing the math. Right. It, it is crucial to being successful in navigating markets. Um, so I, I, you know, I see it farmer facing here that what do you do now? Right. What decision do I make now, Craig? What do I sell it now? Do I store it? Do I, you know, well, if you don't have your numbers in front of you, that decision is 10 times harder. Oh yeah. I mean, if, if you've done any sort of marketing up until today and sold grain and maybe at better prices and, you know, um, 
I sit here and say, okay, market. Yeah. Market. It's not where we would all like it to be. Okay. Mm-hmm. You've got grain in the bin, but we're so focused on price per bushel and not revenue per acre. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, guys in our area have, have yields well above their average. And I sit here and say, if you've done any marketing at all, put that pencil to paper and say, all right, even if I do sell the rest of my crop in the bin at today's price or, you know, or, you know, May delivery, July delivery, whatever you're facing, mm-hmm. what is my revenue per acre? And if you're doing 15, 20, 40 bushel better to the acre than, you know, you normally would or what you penciled in at the beginning of last year, well, that helps you, you know, be able to make the difficult decisions during difficult price timing, right? So that's, that to me is, I, I can't emphasize enough. I've seen it a lot um, being on location and farmer facing that, boy, get your numbers in front of you. It makes a yeah. world of difference in making decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you don't do the math, you're leaving money on the table. The problem is you don't know how much money you're actually leaving on the table. Right. Right. <laughs> so how are we supposed to guide you to decisions? Right. Right. You know, I mean, it, it I mean, I can't sit here as a merchandiser and buy grain and just say, oh, yeah, well, let's go sell it today, right? Yeah. I mean, well, what's interest cost, right? What's mm-hmm. the spreads looking like? You know, if, if you plan on carrying bushels, you know, do you have quality? Are you going to run into damage issues? Um, you need to be locking and carry, right? What is your interest cost right now? Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff has to be factored in. Some of that stuff is, you know, maybe a little bit new. We haven't dealt with interest in quite some time. I, I would argue that Maybe the industry is is still a little bit behind the curve on completely grasping how much of an influence interest is playing a role, right? For yeah. storing grain, for merchandising grain, for marketing grain, for making financial decisions. Um, right. Can I can I sell grain today and return? You know, get a return, better return somewhere else, yeah. right? Um, yeah. So to me, let, those let, are the big steps. Yeah, let me ask you about the structure of the markets right now with the carry and the markets. You got twenty cents, and is it in both corn and beans? It basically in well, both corn. How far and do beans. you want to carry it? Well, March out to July. <laughs> March out to right. July is what I'm looking yes. at. Um, yes. How does that influence, and and how does that have an impact on your decisions? Right. So very simply here, let's just figure a you know three to four cent you know cost uh, interest cost uh, to carry in corn, mm-hmm. um, and let's figure seven cents on beans, right? That's basic math. It's going to cost me seven cents a month in interest, right? To carry it, um, corn, it's going to be quite a bit cheaper at these levels. Um, so, you know, quick math says, well, I don't know if I should be carrying soybeans that far out because of interest costs. Right. Right. But I also sit here and say, well, maybe what will we start to see in basis on beans, you know, offsets some of that. Right. And yeah. maybe futures also help do some of that work. I, I, I would argue on the bean side, a little bit different than corn. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, we've done the math. Now, what are we willing to risk? Right. What's our risk reward potential? And, mm-hmm. you know, I think the farmer plays a big role right now in where the end user is going to have to be more so in beans, because I think the end user has, has run dry of farmer beans. Now it's going to be their job. How do we pull it out from them? Um, but corn, you've got big on-farm stocks, 
market knows it. You know, you know the old adage, right? Market doesn't rally till it pulls that corn out of the farmer's yep. hand. Yep. And uh, there's just a lot of truth to that when you look at the balance sheet um, and and where corn is right now and, and what has to happen moving forward. So okay. Um, so yeah, you you know you want to ask the question. Well, which do I store, Craig? Do I store right. corn or do I store beans? Now, some of it's obviously, you know, region, um, you know, uh, region specific. Um, yeah. It's that's a difficult answer to, to ask for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think ultimately, it goes back to where are your numbers at. What's your plan? Yeah. Do not get stuck in a rut here, and, and that'll help you guide some decisions. Right. Right. Okay. It it feels like to me on soybeans if you haven't already moved beans uh and you are even if you're looking for some kind of an upside recovery don't you go ahead and market beans and and move the risk over to paper uh, unless you think you can get a good 40 50 cents in basis appreciation okay and yep. i would say in the east you know we moved a lot of beans out early to make room for corn also because wheat was taking up way too much space. You and I talked about that. I think it was in September or August. Yeah. Wheat was taking up too much space. Corn or soybean interest costs um, was too much. Beans were coming in early. We moved a lot of beans out early in the east to make room for corn. Yep. So if you're a farmer holding holding beans there, I, I you might argue that basis appreciation and, and maybe futures of, as well, if they want to join here, maybe managed money is piled a little bit too heavily to the short side and, and yeah. we can get some breathers to the upside and futures as well. Um, start to really open the door there. Okay. Um, so, okay. All right. What about the 24 crop? What are your initial thoughts there? <sighs> I look at where corn is priced today and I, I look at the potential corn carry out. Uh, even with, you know, a fairly reasonable drop in acres, you know, let's, you know, let's assume we don't have to go another record yield, but let's assume an average crop, you know, you're talking a 2.5, 2.6 billion bushel carry out. Mm-hmm. There's a tremendous amount of downside risk in these 24 corn to me. Um, not, don't get me wrong. What's going to happen between now and next year, right? I, there's could be a million outliers. Who knows? What's weather? <laughs> who knows? The Packers will win the Super Bowl, but you know who knows what's going to happen, right? Yeah. But there, you know, it's it's difficult coming off the mindset and, and prices we've had the past two years. This is our you know typical cycle. It's hard for us to grasp the psychology of what we've saw, seen in prices the past few years coming into that pendulum swinging back the other way. So you don't let, you know, perfection be the killer of excellence, right? I mean, you've got to crunch your numbers for next year as well and think, boy, we have a 2.5, 2.6 carry out. I don't expect us to be anywhere close to $5 these 24 corn futures. Mm-hmm. Um, on the soybean side, uh, you know, okay, well, I think, Looking at today's numbers, we can suspect maybe we are going to get quite a few bean acres. Um, I think the market's done a fairly decent job already um, at this $12 area 
Um, uh, you know, historically, I think, you know, you've got a range right here from 1050 to $12 if, you know, uh, the balance sheet plays out into 24. Um, so, you know, are we at some fair values, maybe a little bit of extra premium out there? Cause we don't know what weather is going to be. We still aren't exactly sure where South America is. Yeah, maybe so. Um, but you know, if you're going to be a deer in the headlights for crop in the bin right now, then I guarantee you're going to be a deer in the headlights for next year's crop. Yeah. And that's no way to run a business. Yep. Um, so yep. stay active, you know, stay Keep active. The numbers. It's always changing. Right. Yeah. Um, but we've got to work with what we know now. Um, and if there's opportunities, cause they will come opportunities will come. Don't, I don't want to sound like, a you know, um, negative Nelly here. Um, mm -hmm. Opportunities will come. Funds will push too far one way and, you know, we'll get a fast spike one way or the other. But if you're not yep. prepared to capture it, you won't. Right. Exactly right. And the way that you prepare to capture it is by running the numbers and knowing what works and what doesn't. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. Appreciate you, Craig. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Chip. Thank you so much for having me on. You have a good one. Stay warm. All right, buddy. Craig Van Dyke, Co-Alliance Co-op over in Valparaiso, Indiana. Davis and I will be right back. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. And welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Your pal, Davis Michelson here. Glad you've decided to spend some time with us. Chip's here as well. Yeah. On this Thursday, we're going down, man. We're going you, down. You know what else is is, uh, is mm. coming down? Mm. Is it snowing? Snowflakes. Ah. Uh, yeah. So we've got flurry flurries. <laughs> Let's see. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's not it's bad. Happening. I can stand on its own. Yeah. It's happening again. Here it uh -huh. goes. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um. You know what? Let's let's talk about Oliver for a moment. Okay. He said, "You're like, well, Oliver. Yeah. How, how do you, how do you feel about the markets?" And his response, "You know, I think we're doing darn good here." He was yeah. feeling good today. It was good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those. You know, when you get those closes, when you get uh, bars bars structured the way that they are today. So mm -hmm. you open mostly steady, you go down, you test the downside, you run out of selling interest and snap the thing back on an upside recovery and close it near the session highs. Even if you're only up a penny in corn, like he said, it still mm -hmm. feels pretty good. Yeah. Still it, feels it, like a dime. Yeah. It still That's feels like said. a dime. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's the structure of the markets and the way that the day unfolded that makes you feel good about, a penny up in corn yeah. and i felt the same way it, yeah. it, it's uh it, it it there was reason there is there's more reason to be optimistic about corn putting in a load today than what there was yesterday at the close let's put it that way okay um i think i did this yesterday too but i'm gonna kind of put you on the spot feel free to just sort Great. of back back away subtly you know whatever you need to do throw a smoke bomb or something <laughs> if you just need to get out of this but he said okay. something that I didn't quite follow. He says, well, yeah, you know, and we're three or four days out from the report. We got margin calls coming out now. So that could, I don't even know what he's talking about at that point. Is that something oh. we need to be aware of at all? What are we, well, what's he in, saying? In in the, in cattle, we get the uh, cattle and feed report tomorrow afternoon. Okay. 
Okay. Um, so there may be some forced liquidation is what he was talking about. Some forced liquidation. And really okay. what's going on here is the maintenance margins have been exhausted on some of these positions. And what that means is if you are short cattle mm-hmm. and the market has been going to the upside, going to the upside, going to the upside, and then today, not just kind of grinding to the upside, but get a breakout move back back up to the levels that we haven't seen since the, the middle of December, all of a sudden the margin calls start going out to those that are short the market uh, with the message, Hey, you got to put some more money in your account to cover the losses that you're picking up. I got you. Now, okay. if you're picking up losses in in and you've used that short position in futures as a hedge on cattle, the cash market is working for you. The cash market, I think, I think we'll have to wait and see tomorrow, but I think the cash market is going up as fast, if not just a touch faster, than what it is going, than than what the futures are going up. Therefore, the gains in the cash market are offsetting any losses that you are seeing in the futures market. So the hedge is working. The price that that you locked in when you established that hedge is still your price. Now, if that gets backwards and futures start gaining quicker than the cash market is gaining. That's when basis starts to work against you, and mm-hmm. you got to make a decision. Do you yeah. get out of that hedge? Do you do you move the cattle a little bit earlier? What are you going to do to limit the losses uh, of of basis getting upside down on you? So there's there's some decisions to be made. But the bottom line is, you got to keep feeding the beast when you're when, yeah. when you're short and the market is going up. If you're going to stay short. And today, maybe some of the spec money, the non-hedge money that was in the cattle market, they got that margin call and just decided to heck with this. I'm not going to stay in that that short position. So they covered some shorts. And and you get a pop. And you get a pop up to the highest levels in in a month. Wow. Well, thank you for that explanation. That's really good. Yeah. Okay. Um, CVD, Craig Van Dyke. Uh, Co-Alliance Co-op, great conversation there. He, I wrote down a whole, I mean, I took notes on the stuff that he was saying. Farmer movement currently kind of slow, eastern belt basis, heavy, yada, yada. But, dude, he was, I mean, he was throwing out some nuggets here. It's cold out. Sit down and do math. Focus on <laughs> revenue per acre, not price per bushel. Yeah. The market doesn't rally until it pulls corn from the farmer's hands. Don't let perfection yeah. kill excellence. That might be my favorite one right there. Right, right. Yeah. Um the uh, th- there have been many times that it has been proven that the easiest time for the corn corn market and it's not the corn market in particular it it's the bean market it's the wheat market it's the widget market mm-hmm. it it doesn't matter yep when those that are producing a commodity are sold out of said commodity. That's the easiest time for a market to rally. Um, we may be close to that. I think the point that Craig was making is that we're closer to that on soybeans than what we are on corn. Yes. And so maybe give this bean market a, a chance. 
Uh, on the corn side of thing, there's there's still plenty of supply out there that we need to deal with. And that, that uh, quarterly grain stocks report said that a lot of the grain, a lot of corn, is still in the farmer's hands. Yep. And uh, some, I can't recall, it, it might have been Clark, neighbors, made, made a comment uh, earlier that when you look at the amount of corn that's stored off farm, yeah. the one thing that the grain stocks report doesn't tell you who owns that corn. It could be in commercial storage still owned by the farmer, too. So, sure. Sure. yeah, a lot of things to consider. National Weather Service 6 to 10 day outlook January 24th through the 28th. Above normal temperatures expected over the country. We've got above normal precipitation, southern Minnesota, Iowa, most of Nebraska, and points to the south and east of that. Real quick, out to the 8 to 14 day, Jan 26th to February 1. What? Yes. Above normal temperatures expected over the country. Below normal uh, precipitation expected over most of the Corn Belt until you get out to the Far East. Thank you so much for listening this afternoon. Tomorrow morning, House 8 Chairman Glenn Thompson in the free-for-all here on AgriTalk.